Welcome to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Sarah. And this podcast is all about diving deep into the things that we are curious about this week. And this week, we are going to dive into grace and talking about, uh, I mean, it's kind of... I'd say it's more like figuring out how to live with people in the world and like not completely ostracize them or murder them for the things that they do. (laughs) We're going to dive into that in just a second, but first we're going to talk about uh, the things that we love because every week this podcast is sponsored by things that we love. And this week I love moment lenses. Moment lenses are, they are photography lenses that you can put on your phone, whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone, you just buy a case that will fit and you can attach the lenses to it. They have wide angle lenses, fisheye lenses, telephoto lenses, macro lenses. And just recently they launched a Kickstarter where you can get an anamorphic lens if you're into filmmaking on your phone. I personally have the fisheye wide angle and telephoto and the wide angle is one of my favorites. I love taking photos with that. Um, I The architecture photos that I can get with it are amazing. And the fisheye lens has surprised me the most with what I can do inside um, with architecture that has rounded kind of features Mm -hmm. if it's a very square building the fisheye ruins it but with a kind of more rounded uh featured building you can take amazing photos and then the telephoto obviously is really awesome for portraits so uh i do love moment lenses and i carry them in my bag everywhere um and i used them this weekend to post on my instagram at cody jensen and uh (laughs) If if you want to check out Moment Lenses, you can just go to moment.codyjensen.com and you can check them out there. If you per- make a purchase, that does help out this show. Absolutely. Um, the thing I love this week is audible.com. Um, and the book that I want to suggest to you guys is actually called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. And the audiobook is actually narrated by the author, which is amazing. Um, the book is just about exactly what the title says, like just owning life and being awesome and doing you to the best that you can. Um, But if you go to audible.codyjensen.com, you can uh, sign up for a free trial of Audible. You get a free audio book. And then if you don't like the service, you can just cancel it. Um, But you get to keep the book. So Okay, so now we want to jump into this conversation of grace and allowing people the space to change. Right. So the reason I have been thinking about this recently is because of our day and age of social media and with, you know, there has been things with YouTubers or just different uh, people with public profiles that they, you know, they have found notoriety or fame in some way. And then people will go back years and years in their social media feeds. Mm -hmm. Typically it's their Twitter and find something that they said at some point and use it against them to ostracize them to call out and say you know you uh like there was that recently there was that guy who was cast for that movie that had racial undertones and yes. or maybe racial overtones yeah well it's for the hate you give oh, okay so racial overtones <laughs> and it's completely about yeah. that um, he's playing the, the movie or the book is set around, um, a 16 year old black girl who witnesses her best friend get shot by the police. Um, her boyfriend is white and he, this guy was cast as the boyfriend. 
um, somebody, and he's, I mean, young, they're all playing teenagers, right? So he's, he's young. Um, but somebody went back and found a video of him from, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And he was like a baby practically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said the N word in the video. Um, obviously everybody had a field day with it and he actually responded really respectfully i thought it's like yes i agree i don't want to take away from this movie so yes please like recast my character um which i thought was very admirable um but i was really frustrated that that was even a conversation because he was like 12 or something and i i just i find it difficult to believe that none of us have done anything stupid when we were 12 Mm -hmm. and for somebody to or for the internet to just like completely like go crazy and potentially ruin this guy's career um is insane to me they they had finished filming the movie they were editing it you know and they completely like cast or like threw him out of the cast reshot the entire movie um and I just it feels a little extreme to me that we can't just like have teaching moments. We have to just like if something happens, we shun everything and like mm-hmm. completely sever all sort of ties that we have with an individual. And that just seems like a little extreme instead of just like teaching people. I just I, I find it hard to believe that none of us have done anything just as stupid, mm-hmm. you know? And I I think um Obviously, I don't think he should have said what he said when he was 12 or 13 years old. I mean, I'm not advocating for people being idiots, right? But, like, I don't know. When when did we get to the point where it was, like, all you're, you're all perfect, all good, all always this certain individual? Because it's not true. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all growing and we're all changing and we're all learning. And like I said, when you're 12 or 20 or 22, like you're not, you don't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. You're an idiot. And so I don't know why all of a sudden we feel like it's okay to completely ruin somebody's life because of a mistake that they made. Right. I mean, that makes me think about like, what is the statute of limitations of stupid things I've said? (laughs) You know, it's like, I think about also, I've actually, this is one of the things that I, am scared of. Mm -hmm. And because I think about how I've made thousands of mistakes in private. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just wondering which one am I going to make publicly that's going to ostracize me or, you know, ruin my career or whatever. Right. And it's like every person makes thousands of mistakes privately. Right. But the one thing that happened to be public gets like blown way out of proportion or let let me back up there and say none of this is about any specific circumstance right and whenever i say blow out of proportion i'm not uh i don't want to i don't want to act like i'm justifying anybody's actions absolutely because you know somebody using like racial slurs and things like that like none of it can be justified absolutely um what more I am advocating for or the thing that really gets to me is whenever we we act like nobody can ever change. Right. And so, you know, for me, it's like I think back, I'm 29 years old now, and I think back at things that I said in my early 20s that were ignorant mm-hmm. and that 
I said them to my friends, and if we were in a time where everything was recorded, there could be things that I have said, and I don't have any specific examples, but there could be things that I've said. Somebody could go back and find that recording or find the, that you know tweet or whatever and say, like, how can you sit here and talk about grace whenever you were, mm-hmm. you know, talking about this person and how stupid they are and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, because I've changed. Right. Like significantly. Right. Like the person that I was even five years ago, but especially eight years ago, the person that I was then is so different from the person that I am now. Right. And let's talk about grace just because that's kind of the topic of this discussion. Uh Um, You know, whenever we first got married, we've been married for nine and a half years. When we first got married and for through the first like three or four years of my marriage, um, my personality and my natural tendency is to be one of no grace, no mercy. And literally (laughs) um, the, the job that I, that I was in and that I had at that time, we did these personality tests and it was a spiritual giftings test because I was, I worked on a church staff and in the spiritual giftings test, it ranked, um, all of the spiritual yeah. gifts from like the highest you scored to the lowest. Yeah, so what are a few spiritual gifts? Um, like administration is one. Teaching is one. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Faith, I think right. is one. Faith, wisdom, There's different things ton. like that. But yeah. then mercy is a, is a, you know, the yeah. spiritual gifting as well. And, uh, my rankings, you know, whatever was at the top and then at the very, very bottom with a literal zero, with a literal score of zero was mercy. Yeah. I scored as a zero in mercy. So my coworkers, um, during that time, they ended up using, uh, nicknaming me no mercy, mm-hmm. uh, cause it was literal and obviously the phrase of no mercy. Yeah. Um, and it was true because I, like never had any empathy or mercy towards individuals because I mean, I was in my early twenties and I felt like I knew everything. I was the best. Yeah. Like, and you're a very strong willed personality yeah. anyways. Like, and, and because I feel like a lot of us in our early twenties, well, especially in high school, when we first graduate and things, we think we're awesome mm-hmm. and we know everything. Mm-hmm. And as we grow up, we start to learn that we don't know everything. Right. And uh, this is kind of a side note, but I really love this kind of quote. I, somebody at some point told me wisdom is knowing how much you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so when we're young and smart alecky and like we know everything, um, we're actually not very wise at all. But as we gain wisdom, we gain the knowledge of the things that we don't know. Right. And so anyways, just that is a kind of side note and example of just how much I have changed over the last eight years. Right. And I think, I mean, the difference now is that everything is online Mm -hmm. and everything is public and you can't really escape it. Um, But I don't, I don't know why we're not using these opportunities as teaching moments to, to make better people Mm -hmm. instead of just like completely destroying any sort of life (laughs) they had the chance of having, you know, like I think of, um, Logan Paul, for example, like I don't condone what he did at all. Mm -hmm. I I was very upset by it and offended. Um, and just wild, it was wildly inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I also don't feel like the response should have been like, I mean, should he be, 
held responsible? Yes. Should he be punished, you know, by YouTube? Sure. Um, but as far as like the general public, like mm-hmm. his career shouldn't be over because of a mistake that he made. Um, and actually Chrissy Teigen tweeted about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically just asking the same thing, like, w- at what point are we, like, okay with ruining people's lives for right. a mistake that they made? And, and I mean, you just see it all the time. Like, there's, when you get to a certain notoriety, a right. certain level, um, it's like, it, yeah, it's like they're not a person anymore. And, and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we're not really, it's just like the opposite way when you see a celebrity and you're excited that you're meeting them you don't treat them as a person there's right. no interaction right it's just a transaction and i feel like can i get a selfie <laughs> exactly and you take a selfie and walk away you don't yeah. even thank them you know you're so excited um about meeting a person and actually zadie smith wrote about this in her uh, book feel free on essays about justin bieber and she was saying um that justin bieber as an example is an experience you've already had before you have him Mm. as an experience. And so like everything is past tense. It's like, oh, he just shook my hand. Oh, he just hugged me. Oh, he just took a picture with me. It's all past tense because it's an experience and not something that's actually happening to you because we're not seeing Justin Bieber, the person, as a person. We're seeing Mm. him as, you know, this thing we've conjured up in our mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like it's the same as it is for good things, it, as negative things, um, like the Logan Paul situation. Like, we're not viewing him as a person. We're viewing him as just a stupid thing that he did. Right. And so we're justifying kind of subconsciously what how we're reacting instead of, like, treating him how he, how any person right. deserves to be treated. Like, like if he, this was a family member or right. a friend or just somebody in your community that didn't have millions of people right you know watching him right and yes he should be held responsible for what he did absolutely but we should teach him how to utilize his platform for good Mm -hmm. you know like i don't understand where that disconnect is and like why we have we're all of a sudden okay with complete like i feel like it's almost like we're doing the same thing to them that they did like right you know like he made a mistake like he, you know, sensationalized this thing. And so then we're just like using that as justification to attack a person. Mm-hmm. We're being just as bad of people as yeah. he We're sensationalizing was. the thing, like not the thing, but right. like we're still sensationalizing the scenario or right. the situation. And I just feel like the actions or the, the wrongdoings that he did, we are now doing to him, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I feel like... I don't know. When did that become okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, whenever we were, the, the whole Logan Paul thing happened, which if you're listening to this and you don't know who Logan Paul is or what happened, uh, just to give a little bit of, of context, Logan Paul is a very big YouTuber with a, uh, a younger audience. Yeah. Um, and he has, I don't know what, I don't really pay attention to like his channel uh, closely, so I don't know what his exact numbers are, but he's in like... 15 the, million-ish oh, really? or okay, more. Okay, so let, we'll just go with... He, between 8 and 15 million subscribers. Like, he's huge. Um, 
he took a trip to Japan. He went into this place called the Suicide Forest as like trying to make a jokey video in the about, in the about it being haunted, right? Being haunted and things like that. And then they actually found somebody who had committed suicide. And instead of not filming or using it as a serious video, um, they tried to make it a serious video, but actually showed the person. They filmed the person. They used him in the thumbnail. They. Yeah, blurred I mean, his face, but yeah. the, there's no coming back. I mean, from in that. there, it was very yeah. inappropriate. And he was just standing around this, you know, deceased body. Make, they were making jokes and you right. know, standing right in front of it, filming this video. So that's kind of the context of what had happened. Um, but Logan Paul. So whenever this happened, the things that I was thinking about is people were like, "How could this possibly happen?" And it's like, well, if you look at the situation. It doesn't seem that far-fetched of why this was mm-hmm. happened because he's like 22 years old or 23, something like that, and he makes videos every single day. And he also is now, I don't know if he's a millionaire. I would assume he's there or close or over. Um, and he, it doesn't, what matters is that he's he is very privileged. Yes. And he has lots of money, and he, he no longer... He's going through the time of it, of of his life where his brain is developing. He's developing as an adult, mm-hmm. and he's doing that with not really wisdom around him, yeah. with unlimited resources and no privacy, right? And so all of these things, and it's like, if you think, actually, just strip all of that away. Um, and this is kind of this is what I was thinking whenever it happened. People are like, I don't understand how, you know, this would happen. It's like, okay, think about you whenever you were twenty two years old. And the stupid mistakes that you made mm-hmm. whenever you were around that age. Now, give yourself unlimited money, basically. Mm-hmm. A huge audience that you're having to entertain every single day. And yes men around you. Yep. And and then say that you wouldn't do it. Right. Everybody and anybody is capable of that. Yeah. Because it's so easy to um, distance yourself from, like, normal reality when you're in a situation like that, especially if you're not, you know, a little older. And I think you said like the yes men, Mm -hmm. um, Philip DeFranco actually, when he reported this story, uh, he said something that just kind of stuck with me. He said, if everything is content, nothing is sacred. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just like huge to remember is just like, not even if you're, even if you're not wildly famous and whatever, mm-hmm. but just like whatever you're posting online, like just to remember, like there are some things that the internet doesn't deserve, yeah. you know, um, is huge, but kind of off topic anyway. Yeah. And obviously what Logan Paul did was a mistake mm-hmm. and it was a bad one. Uh, yes. Um, and so repercussions should, you know, come on him. Absolutely. Being, you know, I mean, just like whenever we make mistakes and we have the uh, we have our parental like um, authority over us, we make a mistake. They take us into the bathroom, and if you're you know from our uh, part of the world, you get spanked. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you know you're on a different way of life, and you, you maybe get grounded or get a strong talking to, mm-hmm. um, you know whatever it is, and it's like you get punished, right? But your parents still love you. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, they feel you've learned your lesson, you get your freedom back. Right. It's not that, oh, we now have to strip them of everything they've ever done. Forever. Right. They never deserve to have a life. Um, so 
so I just thought of this and this is a fascinating thing to think about. Um, so just like how we would all say that we would never do what Logan Paul did. And I think if you take the steps that, if you take the path that he took, I don't think it's far fetched to say that we wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, but I heard a story the other day on a podcast and it was talking about if, if, if I asked you, um, if I said, uh, you know, would you ever be a drug dealer? Like, could you ever see yourself becoming a drug dealer? Most likely you would say no. Right. Like how would I ever be a drug dealer? But the, I'm going to paraphrase the story cause I don't remember like exactly, you know, detail for detail, but, um, this guy, and this is a true story. This guy was a world-class athlete top, like in the world, he ended up having an injury and he had to take some time off. And then whenever he came back, he was still very, very good, but he was being beaten by the, but like the new top people. And he was having a hard time keeping up with him. So he went to a doctor and the doctor prescribed him, um, this basically, uh, doping drug. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a drug to help him with the pain and, and, and to make him better. And so he got the prescription. He went to the place to get it fulfilled. He got it. Fi- he got it filled. Then he went home, did the first injection and it helped. And then he did the next injection and then he ended up, you know, using all of everything that he had from the prescription, but it was making like, it actually worked where he was, uh, he was, he wasn't in pain and he was able to compete with everybody else. Then, um, he went back to the doctor, he gave him another, another prescription and he kept, you know, basically this cycle. But then it turns out that, um, through the course of using the drug and kind of being more open with it, he realized that everybody who was beating him was also using the drug. Oh, okay. But then because it became such an, a popular drug and it could be prescribed, it was the, the U S market ran out. Like there wasn't the drug. So, uh, the doctor or somebody got him in touch with this Chinese doctor and the, or a Chinese, I don't know if it was a doctor, a Chinese like uh, manufacturing where the drug originally came from. So he ordered some for himself. Um, so whenever he got it, he was using it, but then his friends found out that he got, he had got it and they, they asked him if he could get him some. And he was like, I mean, yeah, I can order you some. So he ordered them some over the course of that. He ended up becoming all of these athletes drug dealer because he was mm-hmm. ordering from the distributor, bring, shipping it into America, right. I- importing these uh, drugs. Uh-huh. And then he was, and this was all illegal, like it's not legal to do this. So mm-hmm. he was like importing these drugs and then he ended up selling it to these athletes. So he ended up getting caught going to jail, um, or getting in trouble in some way. Um, because, because he was a drug dealer. Interesting. And so if you start the question off of, would you ever go into a suicide forest and film a dead body and then put it on the internet? Most of us would say, no. absolutely not. I no. Right. And you know, would you be a drug dealer? No. And then, but then if you take it step by step and say right. that, take the, the scenario, um, the, the small decisions that lead up to there, we would say, if, if you were hurting, would you go to the doctor? Yeah. If the doctor gave you a prescription, would you fill that prescription? Yes. Would you use everything that was prescribed to you? Yes. If it was working, would you go back? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if that doctor gave you the number, for somebody to call right. to get some more, would you do it? I mean, if you were already using it, probably, yes. Right. And, and then, then in it, the end, yeah. Yeah, and then your friends are asking if you can get them some, and you're like, okay, so you do it. And then at the end of the day, you're a drug dealer. And the thing that I love that they said about this story is 
the difference between all of us isn't necessarily um, good or evil right. or good or bad um, choices. The difference is uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if given the same opportunity, how many of us would end up doing the same thing as the person that we are ostracizing? Right. And I think we neglect to realize that it is almost all of us. Right. That it it would take it would be a very unlikely scenario for the majority of people to not fall in the same trap if given the same opportunity. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I think maybe kind of along those same lines, but a little bit different is like, we don't, I guess maybe it is different. Anyway, we don't give people the opportunity to change or to realize, um, you know, the correct response. Um, for example, like somebody has an opinion, right? Which you're not allowed to do anymore, Mm -hmm. but somebody has an opinion and they're public about it. Um, and it's different than your opinion or a lot of people's opinions. They're ostracized. They're attacked. They are just completely murdered for the opinion that they have. But like all they need is time to like work out their opinion Um, and eventually I just feel like, okay, here's a prime example, um, that I use a lot when I'm talking, like in conversations is Maddie Healy from the 1975. Um, whenever Trump got elected and Brexit happened and all that stuff, he would make this speech at, um, their concerts before one of the songs. And it was very, um, I guess you would say inclusive of like Muslims and and blacks and homosexuals and things like that. Um, But it was very ostracizing of like religious people. Um, And he was like conservatives and conservatives. He was pretty harsh toward, toward that group. Um, But if you like watch his speech throughout the tour, because everything is filmed, right? Mm -hmm. You watch his speech throughout the tour by the end of it. It is so wildly different. It's the same speech, the same heart of it. Um, But he starts it with saying, like, look, I I never meant to offend anybody. And I'm really sorry if I offended you. Um, I was just, like, angry and trying to include these people who were being oppressed. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know? It's like all he needed was the time to get there. So, like, I don't, I mean, even though it was public, like, we have to allow these people space to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Like we can't expect them to be perfect just because they have a platform. That's not how it works. I mean, they're still people. Right. And the platform itself may just amplify a mistake, but just like, you know, Jesus said, if, if you are familiar with this, that the story of, you know, the, the first without sin, you know, cast the first stone or those without sin cast the first stone. And it's like in those, scenarios it's like yes they have a platform and their mistake is like exaggerated right but it that mistake what think about the mistakes that you made today mm-hmm. it's like if you had a platform of millions of people watching you you would be the same yeah and your mistake would be the like and i think that actually is where a lot of it comes from truthfully is that the people who are the loudest, the people that are throwing the heaviest stones mm-hmm. are those 
who are the ones who are making mistakes in their personal life or the ones that are insecure in their personal life or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. They're, they're and so, frustrated that they don't have the same kind of voice that... No, I don't think it's that. I think that they have woundings in their life. I think that they have issues. Mm-hmm. And whenever they see other people with issues in popular culture or media that they can throw stones at, it makes them feel better about themselves. Hurt people, because, hurt people. Right. Yeah. So it's like this person made a mistake and they're like, ha, I can pound them down for making them this mistake. And it makes them feel better because, you know, maybe their peers, friends, coworkers, parents, whatever, are throwing stones at them for the mistakes that they're making. So mm-hmm. it makes them feel better to throw bigger stones at you know, people online because there's a mask. Mm -hmm. So the question is, I guess, how do you extend grace, you know, to these people or to anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, but how do you extend grace? Um, and, but still like use it as a teaching moment, I guess. Right. I don't really know the answer other than I feel like you have to be honest with yourself and say like, look, I, I know that I could easily be that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. How do you, I don't know. How do you use it as a teaching moment? Like, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think that the majority of people just need to shut up. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, there's... it's like you, if Justin Bieber did something, <clears throat> I have no authority in Justin Bieber's life mm-hmm. or any right, like, you know, so tweeting, whatever, like none of that would ever make a difference in Justin Bieber's life. It kind of goes back to the, um, every person is a person Mm -hmm. and like, you have to see these people with platforms as people and realize that just like you don't have any say in the stranger on the street next to you, what they do, you don't have any say into like what Justin Bieber does. Right. And you can share an opinion. Like I'm not saying that you should never share opinions. Um, And you can have discussions and you can share opinions of what you think about a certain situation. But I think when we're sharing those opinions, we need to all come at it, I mean, through a lens of empathy, Mm -hmm. through a lens of if we were in that position and not in the position of I am who I am today, would I be a drug dealer? But in a position of if I went through the same path that that person got there, You know, could I see myself possibly making the same mistake? Right. And when we look through those lenses, it becomes much easier to empathize and sympathize with where somebody's at, even though we may disagree with it and even though it may be offensive. So that would take the course of action of what, you know, should actually be done about it. And I think that obviously things need to be punished and people need to learn and things like that. But I don't think there's there's very few things in this world that I feel like people's lives should be completely ruined for. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like most everything is redemptive. Right. Yeah. And, you know, let's say if you murder somebody, then, you know, if you go to jail for life, I'm not going to really feel sympathy for you. Right. I mean, you ended somebody's life. Right. Now that said, I do think that if you murder somebody and you did the time and through jail you were redeemed like in you I think you should have a process out of that mm-hmm. um you know I no specifics here no like I everything think that, is too nuanced right, to, not, to, not yeah. saying that all murderers should get out of jail what I'm saying is I think there should be a path to redemption mm-hmm. even in you know in in everything and if that you know that person never fulfills a path to redemption then they stay in jail like it is what it is but i mean 
that being said, that's kind of a, an aside and don't at me because I think that murderers should <laughs> have a path to redemption. Um, anyways, before I got sidetracked by murderers, um, <laughs> uh, is, you know, just that we need to show mercy and love and grace in these situations. And I think that, you know, the conversation, that question is revolving around what to do in the moment that somebody makes a mistake. And I think that ultimately most of us in the, in, you know, who aren't have authority in that person's life, like we really just shouldn't speak into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, you can, you're welcome to share your opinion. I'm I'm not an advocate for, you know, everybody being quiet, but share your opinion in love, Mm -hmm. I think is more the thing. But what I think this conversation is more about, the thing that interests me more, is finding dirt on people. Not a mistake that they made yesterday, but a mistake that they made three years ago, six Mm -hmm. years ago, a decade ago, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And then bringing that back and using that against them and getting them fired from their current job or getting them pulled from, you know, the movie that they're working on or whatever it is. Right. I feel like if the mistake was made years ago, then we need to examine who the person is today. Mm-hmm. And if the person has changed, then then it's not a – then we don't pull out the tweets and say, fire them because right. they said this back in, you know, you know, 2004. Right. It's like – more so, we should celebrate and say, wow, look where this person is mm-hmm. now because look what they said in 2004 and look how far they've come. Like they should be like we should celebrate that change right? more than somebody finding dirt on somebody and whatever. Right. Now, I do want to clarify that if it's found out like, you know, with like the Me Too movement mm-hmm. stuff, um, it's like if somebody – like physically assaulted somebody. Right. There's, I mean, yes, there is a legal um, uh, uh, statute of limitations there, but as far as like a social statute of limitations, I think that is a little more tricky Mm -hmm. and a little more kind of nuanced. Like um, I do think that if it was a physical assault on somebody that, you know, it's, you're not going to celebrate their change. It's like, you know, I don't, you yeah. know, I don't know what path to take take there. Right. But even if it, let's stay with the Me Too movement. And I, I understand this this is touchy ground and very current and now. Um, but kind of, you know, listen to this in a open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, somebody is, is, you know, found an old tweet or found a recording of somebody who they said something that shouldn't have been said. It was insensitive or you know, offensive or, you know, just sexist. Yeah. You know, misogynist, whatever. That was a mistake that they made and it is something that shouldn't have happened. But if, you know, time has passed and they have become a, a different and better person and we can, those around them, and we can see that, like, they are no longer that person, then they, I don't. I personally do not think it should have ramifications in their livelihood today, mm-hmm. just because of some words that they said that were hurtful. Like mm-hmm. I understand that. You know, maybe we, maybe they should issue an apology and and you know, you know, make make a, amends right. for that you know moment, but make amends for that moment in the same severity that it would have happened in that moment. Right. If somebody said something misogynist. 
it's like, well, I guess maybe that isn't what I think because if somebody said something misogynist at work, you know, the potential for them to get fired is there. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, this is so, I feel like it's so touchy. It like, is. And it's very actually, touchy. honestly, as we're having this conversation, the reason I'm having a hard time saying this is because of exactly what we're talking about. Right. Because I feel like if I just speak freely and I talk exactly what is coming out of my mind, I may say some words that I, that can be taken out of context. It's not actually mm-hmm. presented with the heart behind it. Right. And then now I am mm-hmm. ostracized or, you know, I have to issue some apology for something that wasn't really what I was saying right. because it wasn't listened to with the heart's intent. Right. It was listened to for the literal words that were said out of context. Right. And I think that that's a problem that we have to sit here and feel that way. I agree. I Yes, the the whole situation that we're talking about, the Me Too movement, all of that stuff is very, very touchy and very tricky to speak around. Um, but I do think that it deserves to be spoken about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I, I hesitate to say anything out loud, too, because I don't want people to think that I'm just this girl who's pushing back the movement by a hundred years or whatever, Mm -hmm. because that's not true. Obviously, like I'm very supportive of everything that's happening. Um, well, all the change that's happening, I should say. Um, but I'm very hesitant to actually share my, to share my opinions and concerns. Um, because while I am supportive, I do think that there are some things worth talking about. Um, but I don't, I, I'm terrified to say them out loud because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would, accept uh, <laughs> right. the actual, like you said, the heart's intent. I right. think, um, people are just looking for things to construe and to, um, to manipulate, to use to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not about that. Yeah. Um, but I do think that It brings up the fact that we can't even say it out loud and and that like, even though I'm prefacing it by saying like, I don't feel like I can say this out loud, I'm still not going to say it because, um, I, you just never know. And I feel like that there is the problem. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because of social media, um, or if it's just because, or maybe social media has played a part, a major part in the climate that we're in now. Um, or maybe it's just always been like that, but social media has just um, brought it to light. I don't know. Um, but the fact that we can't share our opinions and share them in a safe understanding that people are going to assume the best of you and then look at your intentions from that, mm-hmm. I think is really sad. Right. And um, like if we're going back to like people with a platform, like I feel like the fact that People can't share, you know, their opinions and have people look at it from like, just assume the best of people and then look at what they're doing and like go from there. I feel like is a response that we should be working toward. And I don't really know. I don't know where we got so off. Yeah. Um, And I think in this conversation, it's like both of us are very thankful and 
agree with the entire Me Too movement and think it's oh, absolutely, like, like welcomed. Absolutely, <laughs> it's like obviously, yeah, like, it's, like it, there it, needs to be a ton of change yes. and um, things that we just don't accept anymore. Right. You know, I, it has to happen, yeah. and I'm glad that it is happening. But back to like what you're talking about with the heart's intent and stuff like that. I think it's just because everything's so sensationalized that like the media wants to put these things out there and then everybody goes crazy on Facebook because they they right. just I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how people it makes people feel better about themselves mm-hmm. to point out mistakes and problems in other people. I would never do that. Right. They point out another biblical reference they point out the speck in somebody else's eye before pulling the plank out of their own Mm -hmm. that type of thing but also just the heart's intent and the context of which things were said i think is just completely removed just just to have somebody to throw stones at Mm -hmm. and it made me think about that guy who i cannot remember which country exactly was i think it was ireland um i think you're right where he to play a joke on his girlfriend He uh, taught her dog some um, Nazi-like things. And so whenever he would say, like... Because he prefaced it by saying, I was trying to think of the worst possible thing that my dog could do because she loves her dog so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a Nazi, you know? Right. Like, he prefaced it by saying it's the literal worst. He's like, she loves this dog so much, so I'm going to play a joke on her and right. turn her dog that she absolutely loves into a Nazi because right. that's the worst possible thing I could think of. Right. That's literally what he said in the beginning. He teaches him some tricks, like um, tells him, like, you like know, he Hel- Hitler or whatever, and he lifts its paw, things like that. And he he was actually, because of because he, he wasn't in America, that country actually took him to trial mm-hmm. and He's, convicted him mm-hmm. of a hate crime for what he did. Because of the words that he said in there of gassing the Jews and things mm-hmm. like that. And it was taken completely out of context without the heart's intent, without... And that's like, was it a good joke? It's like, I don't know, probably not. Like, it wasn't... Th- also, should he have discerned not to put it on the yeah. internet? Probably. <laughs> yes, but it, it, regardless of all that, like, regardless right. if any of us would say, like, haha, that's funny, or that's not really a very good joke, the whole point that I'm getting at is that he in, in no way was sympathizing. Right. He like if you take any words that he said and you actually look at it in context and takes take the intent in there. Right. There was no hate crime. There was nothing that should right. have actually been punished for other than been punished like punished for a bad joke. Right. Like which that, you know what the punishment of a bad joke is? Nobody laughs. Right. I mean it's like that's yeah. the punishment. I mean, everything was taken out of context. I don't appreciate the joke. I I didn't yeah. think it was very funny. Um, but that is comedy, right? Comedy is supposed to be, is a lot of times very forward and bold. And um, that's just how it is. So I don't, I find it wild that he was convicted of a hate crime because they completely took everything out of context Mm -hmm. and i mean just the fact that he prefaced it beforehand by saying i can't think of anything worse than a nazi let's do this joke Mm -hmm. is just it's wild to me that actually uh brings up a really good example earlier you were talking about how 
you know, somebody shares an opinion and somebody is offended. Mm -hmm. And then just now we're talking about jokes and how, you know, somebody says a joke and somebody's offended. And I think with both of those scenarios, it brings up a recent uh, situation with um, Ethan Klein from H3H3. Mm -hmm. And he said a joke. Some people were offended by that joke and they were doing exactly what we're talking about. They were ostracizing him. They were like Mm -hmm. calling, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like they were making a fuss. Tweeting him. About it. Yeah. And the one thing that he said that I think is so poignant is that just because you were offended by a joke doesn't make the joke itself inherently offensive. Yeah. And just with opinions too. Yes. It's like if you share an opinion or let's say I have an opinion and my, you know, opinion, maybe this opinion that I'm having right now Mm -hmm. offends you. Just because you are offended doesn't make my opinion inherently offensive. Right. And so we we all have the right to be offended by things. Absolutely. It's like, well, you know, there's things that we walk by every day that like, you know, it's like, oh, like we're offended by it. Like we have that, that urge or like that, right. whatever, like that kind it's of, kind like, of like a repulsion. Yeah. Like, like, oh, like I'm offended by that, but it doesn't make what that person is doing offensive. Right. Like it just, we have a different gauge or a different measure or like right. a different level of, of sensitivity or a different worldview, like all sorts of we're all way, way, way different people. Mm -hmm. And so just because you're offended doesn't mean the thing you're offended by is inherently offensive. Right. And it doesn't mean that person should be um, punished for it. Yeah. Sometimes, yes, maybe. Like sometimes there's cause for punishment in whatever they did. Um, But most of the time, it's just like people being people. I think really it's just that we need to learn to view life outside of our own head. Mm-hmm. And we need to really open up our mind to realize that people are people with their own brain and their own experience and their own opinions. And that doesn't mean it's bad. And just because somebody makes a, a mistake doesn't mean their life is over. Mm-hmm. And I I would just hate to, I I feel like it's kind of like the golden rule, right? Like treat others how you wish to be treated. Because I think like if you look at it from that perspective, you're like, okay, if I was in their situation and I made this massive mistake or I said this thing that in, in a instant that I didn't mean Mm -hmm. or that I regretted, or I said when I was angry or whatever, um, how would you want to move forward? You know, there has to be a process of redemption. There has to be an opportunity for people to be better. Mm -hmm. Because if there's not, then we should all just not be uh, alive. Like Mm -hmm. we should all just quit existing right now because I, I mean, if there's no room for improvement, then what are we doing? Yeah. This reminds me of the uh, episode in The Office whenever, um, I can't remember exactly what happened, but, oh yes, um, whenever they the whole printer situation happened and somebody uh, leaked to the press that it caught on fire, and they were trying to figure out who, who was the one who leaked to the press. And Joe, uh, the CEO was bringing everybody in and saying like what should we what should we do to the person you know who leaked this to the press and you know people who weren't the one who did it 
um, you know, like Michael Scott was like, like you know, we need to do like, we need to, to the fullest extent or whatever, we need to fire them or whatever. But then whenever Michael figured out who it actually was, and it was somebody who he empathized with, mm -hmm. he went back to Joe and was like, well, I mean, maybe we send him home for the day. Right. We give him a little detention, right. you know, <laughs> and Joe's like, what do you know? Uh huh. You know, it's like. That's the exact scenario. Mm -hmm. It's like if we think about the punishment, if we put it on ourselves or those that we love, what would it actually be versus if we're just arbitrarily saying like, right. oh, man, that person did X. I think that they should be they should be removed, take all their money away, take you know mm -hmm. all their fame away and put them in jail. And it's like, really? You really think that there? It reminds me of a quote that. Um, I can't even remember. I heard it so long ago. I can't remember who said it, but it says, um, there's not a person you can't love once you know their story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is it because it, it gives you insight into who they are as a person. Um, it helps you have empathy for another human being. And I think that's just, if we just like shift our perspective a little bit when we're viewing um, these people who have made these mistakes or done these things. If we just shift our perspective and look at it from, like, put ourselves in their shoes, how would we want to proceed? Mm -hmm. I mean, would you want to be ostracized and your entire career ruined and everything? No. No. Yeah. That reminds me of something that I was actually listening to this morning of about um it was about terrorism and it was about um how muslim uh terrorism how it's covered in the media um like seven times more than white supremacist um mm -hmm. terrorism which this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what i'm about to say but i thought it was a really interesting fact that in order for a um let's say if if somebody was committed a terrorist attack who is like a was a far-right conservative white person they would have to kill seven times as many people to get the same amount of mm -hmm. media coverage as a Muslim committing mm -hmm. the same act, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Well, I mean, that it's very evident, <clears throat> even recently, like with the attacks that have happened in the U.S., um, how they are so slow to call it terrorism until they know who committed the act. Right. And um, But the reason I bring that up is because the thing that they talking about that really applies to this it's it's called uh like homogenous group think or something like that mm -hmm. and the reason they you know speculate that the media coverage is like that is because uh, let's take us because we're white like if a white person commits a crime we don't think oh then that must be what all white people do mm -hmm. we think we, we just don't have that thought at all right because we have experience with this group of people. And so we think they're a bad actor. They, you know, they only represented themselves. They don't represent white people as a whole. But if we, if somebody outside of our homogenous group commits a crime, then we put what they did on the whole group. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if a Muslim commits a crime, um, or a terrorist act or whatever, then you take that and you don't say like, oh, that one person committed that crime. They, that only represented them. We say, oh, that must be all Muslims. Do you think that happens because of the media? 
Or is that just inherently what happens if somebody outside of who is a different race than you? I think it's inherently what we as people do, like Mm. those outside of our homogenous group that we have experience with, because we, we don't surround ourselves with people of, of, of different backgrounds, races, cultures, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But if we did like what you're saying, so this is what I'm getting at. If we actually knew these people's stories, whenever we actually have Muslim friends, whenever we actually have people of color who are friends, like all of that type of stuff, we know their story Mm -hmm. and we know, like, let's say we have a friend who is James and James is black and we know him really well. And then we see um, in the media, somebody who is black commit a crime. We don't think, oh, like that must be all black people. We think, well, I mean you would, I don't, I don't think, you know, right. if you would actually consciously think this, but subconsciously you may think like, well, my friend James would never do that. And he's black. Mm-hmm. And so we would, we wouldn't put that on the entire group of people because we know those people's story. Right. And I think that that plays into exactly what we're like talking about is like love, grace, and just having empathy for other people with who make, who live different lifestyles in us. And obviously when it comes to ostracizing people in the media, those people, that group of people, they may be white or black or any sort of color, nationality or creed, but they all have it in common that they have a massive audience, Mm -hmm. which is separate from us. Mm -hmm. We don't have the audience. We put them on this pedestal because they speak for, for a larger group than ourselves. And then whenever they make a mistake, we immediately turn on them. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It, that's what I had for that. Yeah. I think it's true and interesting um I just think in this whole conversation of grace and I mean I feel like we've gone off on a a few little different um conversations but I think generally as a whole I believe in justice and in um fair punishment I guess you would say like like if somebody you know does something that was not right like they should be held responsible for that Mm -hmm. Um, but I also believe in like humanity mm-hmm. and I believe that people are better than we think they are if we just give them the chance to show us. Um, and I feel like that's just what we have to focus on. And I feel like it's more important now to focus on that than it has been because, and because everything is so public Um, I feel like we're just, it's so easy to like highlight flaws and to highlight weaknesses and to highlight, um, you know, these things that are maybe not so great about somebody. And maybe it's because we want to feel better about ourselves, or maybe it's just because it's easier to focus on the negative. I don't know. Um, but I think we need to fight that tendency and we, we need to really just focus on love and grace and like the ability to change. Yeah. I think the human, all us as humans, we have the greatest capability of change. Yes. Like we change so much over the course of our life. Yeah. That it is silly to think that the thoughts, opinions, or tweets of somebody from five years ago represents who they are now. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that it doesn't represent who they are now. Right. Because maybe it does. But- to use that against somebody and not to not investigate whether right. or not they have changed is right. I think bad. Like I, yeah, I don't know. To how not, it, to not like put that against who they are as you know them now. And 
investigate, like you said. I feel like, you know, we're just like slapping things on people and discounting them and disregarding them and throwing them away. Um, and that's not a solution. Yeah. And like I was saying, just the the capacity to change. I think if we look at ourselves, we all know and hope that we can change. We're all striving to change all the time. We all are trying to get better, to be better versions of ourselves mm-hmm. and to not do the same things that we did before. But yet we have a hard time allowing other people the space and capacity to change. And I think the way that we can bridge that gap is just, I guess it literally is the definition of empathy, but just putting ourselves in those shoes and saying like, okay, when I was 18, I thought, you know, I don't know. Let me think of something that I actually thought whenever I was 18. So this is kind of more trivial, but Mm -hmm. we have, uh, whenever I was that age, I was crazy into hardcore metal music. Yeah. I do not think that, and I thought it was the best music. Yeah. I listen to it all the time. I don't listen to it now Mm -hmm. and I don't think it, I don't find it good. Mm -hmm. Um, whenever I was that age, I, the style of which I wore my clothes, I thought were the best, but now I think that it's really bad. (laughs) Um, and I, I think that is a perfect example of the, of change Mm -hmm. is that in all of us, like the style that we think is the best style. If we all look at pictures of us back five years ago or whatever, like, why did anybody let me wear that? Mm -hmm. And I think, why do we feel like our, the things that are in our brain are any different than the things that are on our body? Right. We have these, because we thought in our brain, we had this opinion that those clothes looked great. Right. Now we have the opinion that those clothes are the worst and we should no longer wear them. How is that different than... I, here's the thing. I don't think that it is different. I think it's just a different category that people aren't, it's not so noticeable. And so, cause like you're dealing with kind of heart issues, right? When mm-hmm. you're talking about like personal mistakes and opinions and things that people did or do or will do, you know, um, it's, it's more like internal and that's much more difficult to define. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is maybe like we just haven't taken the time to consider it because it's almost impossible to define. Yeah. Because everything is so nuanced and everything is so particular. Yeah. I mean, I think this um, is a very big conversation and I wanted to have it because I just we see so many examples almost every single day mm-hmm. of people that are being lamented in, you know, social media or on regular media mm-hmm. for opinions or mistakes that they've made in the past that they that no longer represent who they are now or that are blown out of proportion of what was actually done. What should be the correct punishment, um, yeah. And... I think that we need to all, ex- like, I, I, the reason I'm, I'm, we're having this conversation because I just think we all need to examine what we are doing. Right. Obviously, we can't stop the media. We can't right. stop, like, the the group, I guess, from right. doing it. But well, if we, we examine ourselves yeah. and think about, like, before we comment, before we 
dive deep into somebody's Twitter and try to find some dirt on them because of whatever. Mm-hmm. Just have some empathy, have some mercy, yeah. give people the ability and capacity to change right. and remember that just because somebody's thoughts and opinions are different than yours and they may be offensive to you, that they are not inherently offensive themselves. Yeah. And I think if we all move forward with that and, you know, us included, it's like when we see, I I have to do this myself. Like whenever I see things that have happened, I always have to like take that through a lens of where they were at before I form my own opinion on it. Right. Um, I Yeah. I mean, my initial reactions to a lot of things are very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I sit with it because I don't know. I just feel like you're, you're doing an injustice to people when you don't sit with it and when you don't like really consider whatever it is. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think you should sit with it. So as a, you sit with everything that we've just said, and if anything has offended you, um, or if a something you know we said could be used against us uh, later in a non-court of law, please have um, mercy. <laughs> have mercy on our soul. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening to this episode of Deeply Curious. Uh, we really appreciate you guys making it all the way to the end. If you do like the show. Um, if you would do us a favor and rate it on iTunes, that, um, very much helps us to have, um, ratings and reviews. Um, also check out our, the things that we love by checking out Moment Lenses and that is at moment.codyjensen.com. Checking out Audible at audible.codyjensen.com. You can sign up for a free trial, get a free book, um, cancel the membership and you still get that free book, but that's going to be the end of this episode. Thanks again, you guys, for uh, listening. We really enjoy having these conversations. See you in the next one. Bye.